Bless the Lord this morning. I said, bless the Lord this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It is good to be before you, and I thank God for this opportunity. We want to thank God for having Pastors Don and Sister Carol back. They said they couldn't wait to get back here, and it's it's a delight to have them back. I want to thank you this morning for allowing me to have this opportunity to stand here. God is so good, isn't he? This morning in Sunday school, we, had, we heard uh, some tremendous testimonies about the event that took place this weekend, and it was very heart-stirring because what they said was people, when they went out there, that the name of Jesus is still convicting people. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Because if, if the name of Jesus is still convicting people, then there is still hope for this world. That means God is still stirring their spirits and causing them to see that there is something wrong in my life. And that's a good thing, isn't it? Yeah. Hallelujah. I come before you this morning because I do have a word from the Lord. I want to talk with you on using the subject that God's ways are not our ways. God's ways are not our ways. I want to tell you a a brief story. It's about my mom. When she was working at the hospital, she had a friend that was named Miss Jessie. And whenever her and Miss Jessie got together, they would always have a laugh going on about how Miss Jessie met her husband. Miss Jessie worked on a ward, and on this ward, there were swinging doors. And there was a man that would pick up all the specimens from the various floors. One day, Miss Jessie was standing behind this door, and Mr. Smith, who was picking up the specimens, was coming. And as he opened the door, he pushed Miss Jessie down on the floor, and all the specimens spilled out over her. Now, needless to say, she was very embarrassed. He was very embarrassed, and he was very apologetic for this incident. But Miss Jessie had to go home and change clothes, and that was her, her day. So she left work, and the next day, Mr. Smith, feeling really horrible about what he had done to her, was, looked, was going around and looking for her, and he found her, and he said to her, you know, he apologized again, and he asked her if he could take her and, bur- and buy her lunch. And they laugh about it because she said, Lily, did I know that that man would become my husband? I want you to know God's ways are not our ways. If you would this morning, allow me to take a few minutes to talk with you about a man named Elijah. I will use 1 Kings chapter 17 as my point of reference. And I'll be reading from the NIV translation. It says, Now Elijah, a Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be no, neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here. Turn eastward and hide in the Kirith Berin, east of Jordan. You will drink from the brook, 
and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did as the Lord had told him. He went to the Kirith Berean, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Sometimes late, sometime later, the brook dried up because there had not been any rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath, to the region of Sidon, and stay there. I have directed a widow to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called, Bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little of olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me. And what you bring for, for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and for your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not join dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. So she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was no food, so there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up or the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Let's pray. Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Father, we pray that your word will go forth and it will seed, be seed to those that hear it. And we ask, Father, that fruit will come forth from it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. This morning from this message, I have three points that I want you to take away with. Point number one, God can use unlikely sources to humble us. Point number two, God can send us unlikely places for help. And point number three, God uses unlikely people in our lives to teach us about trust. In all the miracles that Elijah performed, in James chapter 5, verse 17, it says that Elijah was a man just like us. 
You know, sometimes we have a tendency to put Bible characters on a different plane, on a higher pedestal, so much so that we can't even identify with them. And this is a real tragedy because in reality, they are frail. They were frail, imperfect people just like us. They were subject to the same temptations. They were subject to the same struggles, the same depressions. They had their ups and their downs, just like we have our ups and downs. And yet God still used them. Elijah was a man, and he was a prophet, but a man from Tishbite. And when I looked up there, it says that Tishbite, he was a stranger. You don't hear of Elijah coming in from any other part of scripture except in 1 Kings 17. He shows up. He's a stranger. It talks about, it doesn't speak of him as having any family genealogy, but he's a, he's a stranger that God uses. He was a man from an ordinary town located on the rocky region of Gilead. Elijah was making this declaration to, king, to the king Ahab for there will be no rain for three and a half years. Now, out of all the things that God could have done, why would he keep the rain off the earth for three and a half years? The scripture says that Ahab ruled for 22 years and did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any other king before him. And the Bible goes on to say, not only did he consider it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, but he also married Jezebel, a Canaanite princess, an idol worshiper. When Ahab married Jezebel, he began to serve and worship Baal, his wife's god. So you got to be careful who you choose as a spouse because their belief system will have a profound impact on your life and your marriage. See, it, can, it would be very difficult to have a harmonious marriage if you married a Jehovah Witness or a Muslim, if you were a person that believed in the Trinity or you liked to certain, celebrate certain holidays. Ahab's selection of a mate was not a very good one. Jezebel was a terrible woman. She was so bad that her name has gone down in history as a symbol of evil. You see, the reason it didn't rain for three and a half years was because Baal was looked upon as the god of rain and as the god of the crops. Jezebel, the Baal worshiper, was challenging the existence of God. She was trying to remove God from the hearts of the thoughts of the people. But Elijah was God's answer to such an evil plot. Elijah's name means the Lord is Yahweh. The Lord is God. So Elijah gives the king this word, and then God tells him to run and hide. Kirith is a place that he told, tells Elijah to go to. But it's not just an old dry desert place, nor is it just a name of a location. But see, this place has a name with meaning and with purpose. The meaning of it is covenant, to make an agreement. When an agreement is made, you got to know the terms in which the agreement is being made. 
and you got to know who you're dealing with. God was making some terms with Elijah. He was making a covenant with him. Terms, when God makes terms, you can always count on them. He knew Elijah had some fears. So he wrote in the terms that I'm going to accept you unconditional. He knew that Elijah needed, needed help, so he put, made, put an amendment in it. He says that everything that I have is available to you. Those were God's terms in his covenant. God takes Elijah to a place to remind him of his covenant toward him. To remind him that he is a covenant-keeping God. God is saying, Elijah, this earth may be having a drought, but I want to remind you of my covenant with you. Everyone else may be going through a drought, but I'm going to take care of you. The scripture says that the lions grow weak and hungry, but those that seek the Lord shall lack nothing. That is the covenant that God has made with us. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 16, 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. This is a message not just for Elijah this morning, but this is a message that God wants us to remember that he has a covenant with us, that he loves us with an everlasting love. I don't care what you're going through this morning. Your name has been written in the palm of my hand. He says, I know the number of hairs on your head. You are mine. I love you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you because I am a covenant-keeping God. That's what, that's what God was telling Elijah, and that's what he's telling us. God sends Elijah to a place to remind us of he, of his covenant with him. Hallelujah. Amen? Hallelujah. God can use some unlikely sources to humble us and helping us. Who would ever thought that God would use a bird, a raven, a bird to feed a man? We normally feed the birds, but God uses a bird to feed a man, a raven. And they're the most antisocial birds. They're scavengers. They're considered to be one of the most unclean animals according to the laws of Moses. They're very selfish. They don't feed or take care of their young. But God uses not only a bird, but a raven to feed Elijah twice a day. See, God can use our enemies to bless us. God oftentimes seems, his ways oftentimes seem strange to us. We don't always understand what he's doing. He doesn't do things the way we think that he should do them. God does this often to keep our eyes on him as our supplier and not on who's providing it or what's being provided. So the brook dries up and Elijah and God says to Elijah, I want you to go to Zarephath. What God is saying is, Elijah, I want you to now go and live in the enemy's camp. Zarephath was almost considered Jezebel's hometown. Now, to the flesh, this behavior would seem like a suicidal attempt. 
How strange are the ways of God. Go to Zarephath, stay there. Zarephath means refinement. Now, he says, I've had you in a place and I made, I've reminded you of the covenant that I have with you. But now I'm going to take you to a place where I can find two of my promises, that I can show you exactly just who I am. I have commanded a widow there to supply you with food. If this was our plan, we would have sent Elijah to somebody who had some money. But God didn't send him to a wealthy person with great resources, but to a poor widow. He could have sent him to Obadiah. Obadiah had great connections. He was a minister. Obadiah was taking care of a hundred prophets in two caves. And he was feeding them bread and water every day. But God didn't send him to Obadiah. God could have commanded the angels to take care of Elijah in a small town, some town in Israel. But that wasn't God's decision. God send, sent Elijah to Zarephath to a widow, a poor widow, a poor Gentile widow. Now, reason would have said to Elijah that a widow was the last person on the world that could sustain him. And when he got there, not only was she a widow, but she had a child. She was in poverty. She was down to her last meal. She didn't have nothing for him. And she said it. But I want you to know, church, faith is contagious. Faith is contagious. Elijah's obedience gave this widow hope. His faith, his doing what God told him to do, gave him the ability, gave this woman's faith to be able to live one more day. Then another day. And then the day after that. You know, so often we don't understand when we walk in obedience to God and his word, how much of a domino effect it can have on the lives of other people. God commands doesn't always appeal to our intellect. We don't always, we're not always to ask to say, God, I, I don't understand you. I don't know if I should do this. God is not asking us to do that. What he's asking us to do is to be obedient. And sometimes what he says and what he does, it just seems totally illogical to what, what our thinking is. It's not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not our ways. It's not our ways. He never, he need, we need no reason to do other than what he tells us to do when he commands of us. There are many men and women, they have brilliant minds, they're great thinkers. But God's ways goes beyond human reason. If we had God figured out, he wouldn't be God. If we had God figured out, we wouldn't have to live by faith. God's ways seem really strange to us. But what we can always remember is that we can trust him. We don't always understand it. 
But one thing we can count on, we can count on a God that loves us and that he loves us and that we can trust him. God uses the most unlikely people to do his will. God used a man named Saul who was killing Christians. He became converted. God anointed him to preach the gospel. What type of person do we serve? What type of God do we serve? What type of God is this? I want to tell you, we serve a God that causes us, that can take a killer and turn him into a minister. We serve a God that says, I call you to do unusual things. I called you to bless your enemies and to good to those that hate you. That's the type of God we serve. He calls us to do things that are not our ways. The book of Isaiah says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. But you know, church, life has a way sometimes of causing us to not trust God when we go through different things in our lives. We, we, we get to a point that we don't know if we can trust him. And there are several reasons that people end up not trusting God. Sometimes people refuse to trust God's word because they want to understand they can't understand everything that he's doing, so if they can't understand it, they don't think that he exists. They want to put walls around him. And, 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 and outside of those walls, God can't move and he can't exist. There was a story told of a teacher. The teacher was confronted by a student. And the student said to the teacher, he says, Teacher, for me to believe in God, I have to have a God that I can understand. The teacher responded to the student. He said, son, God refuses to be that small. Sometimes people refuse to trust God in his word because he doesn't fit in their box. They want a God that can fit in their small box. Other times people refuse to trust God and his word because like King Ahab, they've listened to the wrong people. They spent their time with skeptics and scoffers and they have come to a place where they are ashamed of their faith and they have doubted God. A decision to follow God can bring disasters. A decision not to, to follow God can bring disaster to you and your family. If you continue to read in the scripture, it talks about how Ahab went to war and he was in a battle that God told him not to get into. And because of his disobedience, he was killed. And his wife Jezebel was thrown down the stairs onto the palace floor where the dogs came and ate her up. This was an unfortunate for an unwise family. Other times, people refuse to trust God's words because they've been hurt. God didn't help them the way they wanted, to, he, they wanted him to help them. When they needed him, they said God wasn't there. And because of such incidents, they've turned their backs on God. Still, other people refuse to trust God's word because they're into sin. They've done things they shouldn't do, and because God's word... Condem con condemns their particular behavior. 
They view God as being unjust and unfair. But this morning, as we get back to the story of Elijah, I'm not convinced that God's sole purpose in having a widow to feed Elijah was simply so that he could have something to eat. No, I don't believe that was the reason. I believe that God had another reason, and that reason was trust. The scripture says that Elijah was a man of like passion as we are. He had to confront fear and depression and the lack of trust. God wanted to strengthen Elijah's trust in him. God put Elijah in a situation where he had no other choice but to trust him. Because when the drought was over, God was going to send Elijah to confront Ahab. You see, in chapter 18 of 1 Kings, there was a showdown between Yahweh, the God of Elijah, and Baal and his prophets. When Elijah went back, he had to, be, he had to know that he could trust God. So this whole time that he's in exile, he was designed so that God could train Elijah in trust. He showed Elijah that he could order the ravens to feed him. He showed Elijah that he was able to enable a destitute widow to meet his needs. Over and over and over again, God trained Elijah in trust. God knows the power of trust in our lives. That's why he lays, he, he, he emphasizes to us to count our blessings. Repeatedly throughout the scripture, God tells us be thankful, to rejoice, to focus on what he has done in our lives. This is more than just a religious activity. It's a training ground in trust. I want to close this morning. I want to close with the words of D.L. Moody. He said, trust in yourself and you'll be doomed for disappointment. He said, trust in money and you may have it taken from you. But trust in God and you'll never be perplexed in time or eternity. The question I have this morning is, God's way, who do you trust? Because God's ways are not our ways. Are you counting your blessings? Do you believe that your help comes from the Lord? If you're a person this morning that has never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is your day. If you're a person that you've had some unfair deals dealt to you and you're saying, I can't do this, this God stuff anymore, I want to invite you to come on back to him because God is married to you. You may have left him, but he hasn't left you. Maybe you've gone through a, a separation or a divorce and you felt like everybody has left you. I want you to know this morning that God has not left you. He's still God. He's still God.